It's time to go into business for yourself. Get ready for another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. Education, insight, and inspiration. Here's your host, small business and franchise expert, Tom Scarda. Welcome to another episode of the Franchise Academy. My name is Tom Scarda, and I am a franchise consultant by day and podcaster by night. I help people figure out the world of franchising. I've owned and operated my own franchises and for 16 years been helping people find their franchise, the right one for them. Kind of like matching people like the eHarmony of business is, is what I do on a daily basis. So you can check me out at TomScarta.com or the FranchiseAcademy.com. It's the same website. And I am excited also to note that I just released a 45 long, 45 video long online program on how to buy a franchise, the A to Z's, everything you need to know about buying a franchise and everything that they don't tell you <laughs> that you need to know. So check that out also on my website. Today, I'm really excited to have a franchise veteran with me. And John Ramsey is a guy who forgot more about franchising than I know. He's been around for almost 30 years in restaurant franchising primarily. So John attended... Um, Virginia Tech University, uh, went for architecture and uh, ended up in the franchise world the way many of us do, kind of by accident. But he has 28 years experience. He's with Noodles and Company now. If you know that brand, or I believe in every major market right now in the United States. But prior to that, he also worked with um, different franchises like Marco's Pizza and uh, Bruxy, which is um, oh, a chicken and wings franchise. Uh, I'm sorry, a chicken and waffle franchise. So that's exciting. Um, but John has put together more than 900 franchise opportunities with people uh, in his career. And, and he has so much to bring to the table here. He's worked in every single state in the country and also 12 different countries outside of the United States. Vast skills, just really exciting. Not to mention a great stint with TGI Fridays that we all know. And also uh, a little uh, franchise called Jack in the Box um, and a lot of work there. So, John, I want to welcome, welcome you to the Franchise Academy. Thank you, Tom. Happy to be here. Yeah, this is so fantastic. Um, there's so much going on in franchising, so much positive stuff. Um, and so we have a lot to talk about. So Noodles and Company, just a brief kind of synopsis. What, what is the concept? Yeah, so the, the, the origin of the concept, it goes back to the mid-90s. Uh, the founder was living in New York City. Uh, like a lot of people in New York, they eat most of their meals takeout. Um, you know, starting a family and, you know, come dinner time, right, they would try to decide what they're going to have for dinner. Well, depending on what type of dish you wanted, he either had to go to for Chinese or Thai or Italian. And, and like the light bulb went off, he said, hey, wait a minute. You know, what if there was one place where I could go to get any type of noodle and or pasta dish, uh, right? Because you think of sort of the worldwide use of noodles and pasta, it is truly worldwide. So uh, he moved to uh, Denver, Colorado, uh, really sort of the the beginning time of fast casual as a segment, Uh, opened up his first noodles restaurant. And here we are 25 years later, we're close to 500 restaurants. Wow. That was going to be my question. So 500 restaurants, you're in every major market. Um, Are there any markets as you're now the Vice President of Franchise Development, uh, which is franchise sales um, for the for the layman out there. 
Are there any markets specifically you would love to be in today if you could? We are. And, and so unlike a lot of brands, when Noodle started to grow, they sort of started to grow from their base in Denver and really focus on the upper Midwest. Um, and so they were not very big. They didn't do a lot of franchising in the beginning. And we could talk more about that. Uh, but so we have whole markets that have no noodles. For example, the whole state of Texas, you know, so places like Dallas and Houston, there's no noodles. Atlanta, Georgia, there's no noodles. Wow. Yeah. Tampa, Florida, close to you, there's no noodles. So they would go into a market and build out, spend the time and the money to build out that market uh, fully before moving on to the next one. So consequently, we have quite a few markets that are open that are now really prime candidates for franchising. That is amazing. Um, You know, Atlanta is usually the first city that gets sold out for a franchise. So you guys are going to have a grand time kind of building that market. That's going to be great. Um, and, And so you had mentioned they didn't start out franchising. So licensing or did, were they just doing it solo? Well, so part of the history and it's, and it actually relates to as another Denver based company, which is Chipotle. Um, you know, if you think of Chipotle, they're one of the few large growing brands that has never franchised. Well, you know, you take a market like Denver and you start recruiting executives. Well, guess where the number one place you recruit executives from? Chipotle. Uh, so between having private equity money and going public, there wasn't a financial desire to franchise, which often is what drives people to franchise. But I would say more importantly is that the the mindset of the leadership team coming from a Chipotle environment uh, where they didn't franchise, they just figured they could do it better. Okay. And that makes perfect sense. I mean, the reason why somebody would usually opt to franchise is plainly to use other people's money to grow. I mean, that that's right. In simple terms is what it is. So if, if they came in, you know, if they had some success and then attracted private equity at that point, then maybe they didn't need franchisees. Um, but now it is totally a franchised. Um, well, I shouldn't, I'm using the wrong words. You guys are franchising to anyone who's qualified. Yeah, so they actually did award some franchises over the years. So we have, we're approximately 15% of the system is franchised. Um, And not surprisingly, many of those early franchisees who've been in the system for 10 plus years, either had been in a corporate executive role or were sort of friends of the founder, you know, from the Denver area, right? So people that they knew and trusted. Um, And so early on, that was really how you got in as a franchisee. So there was never really a broad recruitment program, should we say. Yeah, no, that's uh, very interesting. And and you don't need um, franchisees all the time. And then you sprinkle them in and like TGI Fridays, I think did a complete reversal as well with non-franchise and franchise. And so um, it's not uncommon for that to happen, but it is a faster way to grow. Uh, for sure, it's, it's franchising. So, yeah, it's a, that insight. Yeah, it's a faster way to grow. And I, I, I would just add, Tom, you know, that it's, it's uh, uh, I think the other learning is that for a lot of companies that think they want to grow through company operations is they, at a certain point, they realize that, uh, hey, we're not, we not we may not be the best people, you know, if we're going to go to Atlanta, Georgia, if we don't have a base there, I mean, who better than somebody that lives there, knows the market, has the connections in the market to partner with us. Right. 
So are you looking for folks that have restaurant experience? Does that matter to your program? We, we are. Um, not to say we wouldn't include somebody that doesn't, but we are looking for folks that have the ability to scale. So somebody who could build multiple locations within a given territory. So most likely that's going to mean having somebody, at least part of the team mm-hmm. uh, with restaurant background. Doesn't necessarily have to be the sole owner, but somebody with background. Gotcha. Well, that's great. So I want to broach a subject, um, which, you know, I, I kind of don't like doing, but, but it's like the gorilla in the room, which is the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how did that affect you guys? Well, it certainly affected us. And for us, I would say it was not a gorilla, um, but it was actually, um, you know, in, in a way it was sort of validation of some things that we're already doing uh, in a positive way. Um, so pre-pandemic, so the best way to frame this is to say, number one, pre-pandemic, we were already uh, doing north of 50% of our business off-premise without drive-throughs. Oh, wow. So between delivery, takeout was already present, number one. Number two is we're already doing north of 50% of our business digitally. So whether it's online ordering or native app on your mobile phone. So those tools were already built. Um, so it, it instantly gave us connection to our guests. So the loyal guests who knew us already knew how to access us, how to use us. Um, the other thing that happened, well, there's really sort of twofold. One, one of them is day party. If you think of what the pandemic did, if you're in the lunch business and all of a sudden you were relying upon sort of that daytime traffic, people coming out for lunch hour, they're gone. Um, Right, that all sort of went away. Whereas dinner time, now you're at home, you're tired of cooking, but you want to order food in. Well, what do you order? Do you order what you would have for lunch? Nah, I'm not sure sub sandwiches for dinner time is, you know, it's going to satisfy the whole family. Uh, but if you think of noodles and pasta dishes, perfect dinner time meal. Um, so we saw as everybody, as we saw a decrease in lunch sales, we saw an increase in dinner sales. But for us, that increase in dinner sales far outweighed yeah. the reduction at lunch. Yeah. That's a really interesting piece of insight. So I don't think like a lot of people, you know, outside of franchising or outside of restaurants really understand that that whole day part mix and how something like the pandemic could affect it. Um, so really, you know, interesting because there's, there's certain restaurants that cater really to, to breakfast um, or breakfast lunch and they don't do dinner at all. Those guys got really hurt. Like I've seen one very notable um, uh, breakfast restaurant that you know and everybody knows um, is they're just shuttering stores. I mean, it's, they're done. It's, I mean, they'll come back eventually, but scary. Um, that was just not cool. Um, so now you guys are deciding, you know, more franchises. So what, what, why the change now? Well, I, I think that the, and I sort of alluded to before, I think part of it was a learning um, pre-pandemic. Uh, the company had gone through a phase where they started to wanted to, to grow into new markets again. And as they went into these new markets, uh, the strategy was, was to go into a new market with a single restaurant, hire local staff to run the restaurant, which on the surface, like, okay, that sounds reasonable. Uh, however, what they learned very quickly is that, you know, not having somebody who was 
in the restaurant business who was really uh, familiar with our brand, familiar with the culture of the brand, to rely upon them to, to grow the brand was just not successful. And we really didn't have scalability uh, to the community that we went into. So um, we went back in 2016, 2017, made several new market entries that didn't work. And as we assessed what didn't work, that was clear that that was the number one thing was the people, the culture, right? And the connection. So what, and we have, like I said, we, we've had franchisees in our system that are, are, are very successful. They've done very well. well. What is it that they bring? They bring the culture, the people and the connection to that community. So we said, you know what? We're gonna focus our company growth on markets where we already have a presence. And new markets, we're going to focus on franchisees and bring in folks, partners that, that have background, have that experience, that know that market, that, that know what to do. Uh, that's our best. That's the way to be successful for us. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a smart growth plan anyway, in my opinion, um, especially the way you started at the beginning where you were really segmented to local, like I'm not going to, it's local, you know, just Denver and, and Midwest kind of thing. Um, that's, that's a smart way to grow and whether they did that on purpose or, or, you know, design or, or by accident, I don't know, but it's definitely a better way. Um, so are there any other kind of lessons that you could add or, or you just shot off a whole bunch of lessons learned? Um, anything else that comes to mind that you would want to add in? Um, you know, I, I think that the, yes, and, and I would say this also applies not only to our brand, but I think it's across the industry. Uh, you know, what's the number one topic we talk about today is labor and the labor shortage. Yes. Right. Is that one of the other learnings that we had pre-pandemic was um, how important people are to the organization and easy to say, hard to execute. And so the company made a, a very deliberate push towards creating an internal culture, an internal belief system that filtered down and was really built upon the general manager of individual restaurants. Um, so I think, you know, that is so, and now here we are not only coming out of pandemic, but now we're dealing with this labor issue. Well, guess what? Our employees love working for noodles. We have incredibly strong teams, you know, knock on wood, we're, we're not struggling like some others with hiring because our retention rates have been phenomenal. Wow. Um, and again, to me, it's, it's, it's okay. It seems pretty straightforward. Like, like why wouldn't you take care of your people and your teams? But I think a lot of, for a lot of brands and a lot of, you know, people, they sort of, maybe we got a little bit too complacent, right? That there was always going to be somebody else to, to step into place. But now we know that that's not the case. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And, and I think, um, you know, I, I always, in these kind of conversations about labor, I always go back to Howard Schultz and Starbucks who, you know, if you ever read his first book, you know, take care of the people. Um, his, his dad, don't talk about the president of Starbucks, his dad um, fell down a flight of stairs. He was a milk delivery guy, broke his leg. They fired him. You know, that was like in the fifties. And he, and Howard said to himself, if I ever own a company, the people are first and then he's right. And then everything else takes care of itself. So their number one expense at Starbucks is employees, they, you know, full benefits. I mean, they do a lot for their people and, and he's talked to Congress about what he's done. He's, it's like really great stuff. And, and so 
not as a small franchise owner, you know, you can't always do that. Supplying 401k plans and all this stuff, but there is mechanisms. I believe that, that you could do profit sharing or whatever to, to help employees and not only be an employee, but be part of the, the team and feel it. So that's right. Yeah. And I, you know, one of the things we talk about prospective franchisees with, and for us, as part of the selection process. It's not just your restaurant experience because there's a lot of folks out there with restaurant experience. It's about your value system. It's about, you know, how do you treat other people? Um, so people can take our values, our belief system and apply that to themselves. And if they buy in and they, you know, sort of represent to their teams that attitude and belief in that we trust you and, and we're going to give you, you know, the, the, the power to be successful, that it, I, that's a much more powerful attraction than any type of, you know, uh, salary or, or benefit, I, I believe. Yeah, I agree. Do you believe that that is the one ingredient that makes restaurant franchises successful or, or is there other things too that you see as, you know, best practices in a franchise that is a restaurant? Yeah. So I, I sort of, this is one of my sort of learnings over the 30 years of doing this is that, you know, when I first started the, the selection process was pretty basic. Do you have the money? And, and are you willing to do it? You know? right. <laughs> okay. That was it. You know, then, then you get a little bit more sophisticated. Well, maybe you need, maybe you need restaurant background. And if you don't have one, come to work for us for three months and we'll consider that experience. And then you're ready to go. Um, I, I, I have come to believe that there's three other pieces of a successful restaurant franchise in specific, and maybe it's other franchises that are equally important. Um, number one is, is business background, right? It's, and it, it, even though we could train somebody how to run a noodles restaurant, we can't really train somebody how to own their own business. You know, so for them to go out and hire an attorney, hire a CPA, file for a business license, you know, make payroll. Uh, I mean, it, it's sort of basic stuff, but if somebody doesn't have the interest and ability to run a business, it doesn't matter how good of a brand they sign up with, that's going to be a, a, a missing link. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the next one is development is, you know, it's not easy building a restaurant. You know, you got to hire a contractor, hire an architect, you got to pull a building permit, you got to order equipment. You know, it's a lot of time and money and it's not a, it's not a full-time part of owning a franchise. I mean, ultimately it's about running the restaurant, but if you don't have that experience or don't have somebody on your team that has experience, or you're not willing to listen to somebody about to help you or hire somebody to help you, uh, you know, I think that's a real disadvantage to somebody where they could really, before they even open, be in trouble and make a mistake. Um, and then the last one is, is, is personal character. Um, you know, it's when we, when we talk to prospective franchisees, we ask them a lot of questions about, you know, tell us about your family. Tell us about some of the people that you've hired over the years. How are they still with you? And for how long have they been with you? And why are they still with you? Mm. You know, tell me about your relationship, you know, with the mayor of the town you live in. Are you a member of the Chamber of Commerce? You know, it's, it's really, you know, starting to learn people's character that extends beyond business ownership or restaurant ownership, you know, it's, it's who, who we are as individuals and how we show up in our community. That is, um, you know, if, if, when we find folks that, that are genuinely connected and genuinely believe you have similar values to we have, I mean, wow. I mean, to me, that is that I could work with somebody that's never or has limited restaurant background, but I can't teach that. Right. Yeah. Well said. And there's, kind of going the extra mile kind of person, you know, that's, it's, it's a big deal. It really is. 
So with all your, you know, three decades of franchise experience, um, what's your prediction for like the future of franchising, you know, over the next few years? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, they're still continue to be very bullish uh, on the business format. I think that the franchising business format is not only well established, but also uh, continues to lend itself very well to the future of our country, the future of our economic system. Um, because I believe that there's always going to be a desire uh, to own your own business. Mm-hmm. And I also believe that there's a, a power in systems and, and a power in a collective role that, that that brands play, that companies play in that support. So um, that to me is, I, I believe, always going to be there and can continue to get stronger. And in fact, I, uh, um, you know, selfishly, because I'm in on the franchise side of the business versus the company side, um, I do believe that franchise operators can be more successful than company operators because of that ownership component. Oh, there's no question about it. There's so many franchises or company owned decided to franchise because they know they rather take less on the back end with a royalty as opposed to all the money up front and, and chase people around where, where the managers of a store just don't, they're not as bought in as somebody that owns the store. So it's, you know, well said, I, I really love that. Um, that whole scenario. Do you have, um, any myths about franchising in your mind that, that you could bust right here on, on this podcast? Myths. Well, you know, I think, uh, so, um, I think one of the most common, uh, questions I get or inquiries that I get from folks that are looking for a franchise, number one is they think it's easy, right? Is, is they think, oh, well, it's, it, once I just put my money up and you're going to, you know, sort of give me this, this box and I open up the ribbon on the box and everything runs by itself. I, you know, you know, I, I just show up at the end of the day and empty the cash register and, and you know, go, go home to the boat, you know, on the lake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, it, it's a, uh, so I think it goes without saying it's not easy, but I think more importantly is that it's also not for everybody. Um, I also talked to a lot of incredibly smart people, incredibly talented people, people that have been very successful um, in their careers, whatever their chosen career might be, and think, you know what, I'm tired of working for the man, I'm going to become a franchisee and, and invest my money in this because I believe in myself. And as much as I love that and appreciate that, um, especially when you talk about restaurants, it's, it's a, uh, it requires a certain perspective on life and a certain perspective on, on how we operate individually um, as to whether it's right for us. Uh, and if it's not right for us, we need to be able to admit that it's not right for us. That's okay. That's right. That's so true. And, and I often congratulate people who tell me, Hey, I realize that this is not for me. You know, and they're so scared. And I'm like, congratulations. It's awesome. You know, you just saved yourself a lot of money and a lot of heartache and me too. So <laughs> it's fine if you say no. Um, yeah, that's great. I, and, and I think that gets overlooked a lot uh, in the world of franchising. Cause I, I, to put it another way, and if you ever listen to any of my other stuff, I say it all the time, having um, somebody that buys a franchise and thinks they're going to just make money and get rich is the same kind of person that joins a gym and thinks they're going to get in shape just because they joined. <laughs> and you actually actually go to the gym and lift weights. Sorry. <laughs> and it's not easy. If it was, 
everybody would do it. And so, um, so that's, that's great. And so I appreciate your time, John, how could people find out more about news and company? Yeah, so we, we try to make ourselves uh, easy to find. Uh, so uh, the most logical place to find us is noodles.com uh, on the website. Um, and once you get into the website, there's a franchising page. There's a franchising email. Um, you know, we're, we're on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. We're on all the social media networks. Certainly follow us on LinkedIn. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, we do a lot of, we, we have a very robust uh, rewards program for our, our regular guests. And, and that's always sort of a fun thing to watch because we do some pretty cool things and, and offers out there on the guest side. But I think for a franchisee, that's also sort of, a, if you're thinking of franchising, um, you know, I'd encourage you to look at different brands, social media and sort of how they present themselves to the public. Yeah, that's a great, yeah, great idea. I like that. Well, this is so great. I appreciate your insight, John. It's great having you on. I know. You're busy. You got a lot of things going on here with uh, Noodles and Company, but I appreciate your time. Thank you, Tom. I really appreciate it. Awesome. So we'll talk to you soon and uh, check out all of John's information and the Noodle and Company information on thefranchiseacademy.com. It'll all be linked through there. Thanks so much. Have a great day. This has been another episode of the Franchise Academy podcast. For more info, go to our website, thefranchiseacademypodcast.com. Remember to subscribe to Tom Scarta's YouTube channel for educational videos on franchising, education, insight, and inspiration.